Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we're, uh, we're going back to the 70s, way back, like 50 years back. We're talking to singer Ian Lloyd. So Ian, in the early 70s, was the lead singer of Stories, and they put out three albums. The second one, About Us, had this sort of surprising number one song, Brother Louie. It's the cover of the Hot Chocolate song. It was their biggest hit, and... Not their only hit. They had other singles that did some had some success, but it was by far the biggest. And so Ian puts out three albums with stories, then eventually he goes solo. And he's put out a bunch of really, really good solo albums that unfortunately are really hard to find. Now, I say that as someone who doesn't collect vinyl. Maybe they're really easy to find, and I don't know that. But as someone who collects CDs, the only one you're really probably going to find out there that I that's like on iTunes and stuff. It's called Goosebumps, which is so good. Power Pop at its finest from 1979. So along the way, he also, he's good friends with Mick Jones from Foreigner. In fact, he's in the running uh, to be the lead singer of Foreigner, but Lou gets the job. He sings backup on some Foreigner hits. He sings backup with Peter Frampton. He sings backup with Billy Joel. He sings a lot of jingles and ads you know i love it when people come in with that part of their career because i just find that fascinating when the someone who sings this hit that we all know also sings some ad that we can all sing from heart as well so anyway he's still out there doing his thing and uh he's actually working on new music there's a couple of songs that he sent me that aren't released yet that uh, are fantastic that we play a little bit of in here so anyway He's a really funny guy, and we get into all of this stuff. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's sort of absent-minded, but in a really lovable way. I loved it. I think you will, too. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you hear some music you like. He called me from his second home in Connecticut. So, I, I, I hate to start with the thing that you've probably been asked a billion times. Believe me, I know your whole career here, but I... The thing you and you are most known for is singing Brother Louie. And I, that was a cover. It was originally done by Hot Chocolate. Errol Brown wrote it. He's a great songwriter. And my understanding is that it just come out a few months before yours. So, and it's the last song on your album, which sort of sends this message that we had finished something. And then this song came out and we thought we'd do a fun little goof on it in the studio, liked it well enough to just pack it onto the end of an album. And lo and behold, it became huge. So you tell me what the story is. Well, you're definitely very close. Okay. To what you had said is not quite accurate. And I will set the record straight. Brother Louie came out in England by hot chocolate written by Earl and uh, went to number one in the British charts. Uh, I did not know that at the time. I was, we had finished the album about us, so it was done. No brother, Louis. And the record company, Buddha Records, Neil Bogart, said to me, you got to have a hit record on here. I, I actually think we might, I, you know, I take, I even take it back, take it back. It's even more weird than that. The album was released without really? Brother Louis, without it. 
And we had uh, a couple of songs that are great songs. I mean, every song that I have on my albums are better than Brother Louie as a song, you know, mm -hmm. but that has nothing to do with having a hit record or anything. Right. Uh, so uh, consequently, we had no hit. We put out two singles. I think first one was Darling. which is one of the tracks on there. That was the first single we ran with, nothing. Second one, I can't remember what, what track it was. And the record company said, you got to have a hit. We, we will redo the album. You got to put something on. So they put me in a room with uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The guy who play, has records and shit and stuff. And they started playing me demos. And I'm hearing this and that, not knowing who the artists are. And uh, Brother Louie came on. And they put this on as a, a acetate, not an acetate, as a vinyl uh -huh. single or something. Uh -huh. I didn't really notice. And as soon as they hit the hook, I said, "That's a that's a number one record." Yeah, you know, it was yeah. Earl and Hot Chocolate, and it was a number one record for them. But I didn't know that. Right. Right. And so that was cool. So uh, the recording of it was weird because the um, my band after Michael left. We got Ken Bichelle to play keyboard. So uh, Kenny Aronson replaced me on yeah. bass. He was in Dust. He was the bass player for Dust, which was a trio from, the, I guess, the early 70s. And yeah. um, and the other guys were the same, Brian on drums and Steve Love on, on uh, guitars. And um, they were hired to do three tracks for Exuma, who was this recording artist on Buddha, Kama Sutra, big black dude from... Voodoo Land. Okay. And he had like things on his wrists and ankles, and he would record, and it was weird. It was wow. really so. Wow. So my, my guys were hired to to write uh, to do uh, record some basic tracks for him for his album. Okay. Brother Louie was one of them. He didn't want to do it. Really? I guess because of the lyric, he was black and you know, yeah, of course. And and uh, so. Uh, they ran it across me and I said, that's the number one record. And that's kind of how we got to it. But um, it was uh, weird. It was, uh, th there were albums obviously that came out. And I think I have a couple at home um, that are sealed. You know, you buy them and they're sealed and they have a sticker on it. It includes brother, the hit brother. Lou. Right. Brother Lou was not on it. On really? Copies. Yeah. Really? So there Stickers are copies error. out there that, have the sticker that if you open it up, uh -huh. <laughs> there's, there's no brother Louie, which is no way. Yeah, I, I haven't really said that to any interviewer in a lot. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, strange. That so that had to. I mean, you take the first stories album, which 
is fine. It sounds a little bit like British Invasion chamber pop, sort of in a way. Um, and even about us without Brother Louie still sounds like a a big jump in sound and style from the first album to me. Yeah. But when that song hits, your life has to change completely, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, no, with that when it hits, oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So yeah. what is the follow-up hit? Because I can't find that information anywhere. Really? Uh, well, what follow-up single, I should say? What's the follow-up yeah. single? So after Brother Louie's <laughs> number one, we yeah. get the bluesy, what, uh, suddenly blanking on it. Anyway, what Maybe else blue- comes out? That's it. Man- that's what I'm trying to Well, that's on the next album, but on About on Us. Traveling Underground. No, we, yeah. we went right to the next album. So, oh, so they instead of using Brother Louie as a springboard to more hits off that album, they yeah. said, go back in the in the studio, let's launch the next album. Yeah, the the album was too good. You know, there mm-hmm. pe- people are uh, <laughs> strange. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. every song on that album I like more than Brother Louie, <laughs> but I am Brother Louie. <laughs> so I'm, that's it. I am Brother Louie. Yeah. yeah. I wondered if um, the song I'm trying to think of it's going to drive me crazy. Downtime oh. Blues. Oh, I wondered if something like Downtime Blues would have made sense maybe on the radio. You got no. me. Your guess is mm. as good as mine. You know? uh, I mean, okay. You know, we had put out, as I said, we had put out two songs prior to adding Brother Louie to the album. Neither of one did anything. So I think yeah. the record company was pretty much, wow, we got this hit. Let's yeah. put out another brother. I mean, I called Mammy Bluey brother <laughs> Mammy Bluey. Mammy Bluey. <laughs> it kind of is. It's it kind of is same, brother Louie part two. Yeah, the same yeah. <laughs> You know, uh-huh. I'm a I'm a prog rocker, basically. You know, are you really? Oh yeah, that's yes. so weird because yes. your solo albums are all some of the best power pop there ever was. Yeah, but there's prog happening in there. Look, look at listen to Traveling Underground. A lot of melatron right, right. in there, you know, yes. and stuff. And back then, people weren't using melatron unless they were English and prog. True, true. <laughs> in the late sixties, early seventies. So, okay, so when Traveling Underground comes out, then, is the plan, does the record company say to you, thanks for the number one hit, we are going to get our full muscle behind Traveling Underground, we're going to make Mammy Blue another hit, it's all going to happen, and then it doesn't? Well, Mammy Blue did crack top 40 
in Billboard. Did it? Okay, I thought yeah, it was like I think, top 50. I think it peaked okay. at like 30. It might, might have been 50, but it, it was okay. on the charts. And then we followed it up with the song I hate most of all, If It Feels Good Dewey. feels good do it dewey you know it's like uh. <laughs> oh i love your sense of humor about all this this is great <laughs> i had no idea how it was <laughs> you know that's, that's what it was what it is right you know? right it is what it is and what it was but um yeah so you know that was pretty much it and then i went uh -huh. solo and yeah. did a whole bunch of albums that okay would, so here's 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 where i got turned on to ian lloyd about I was trying to think about this the other day, 10 or 12 years ago, I bought something on iTunes that must have been power pop like because it recommended Goosebumps. And I hadn't pieced together yet that that Ian Lloyd was the brother Louis Ian Lloyd. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, I know. I hadn't, I didn't know. And um, so it was, I bought it right then and there, Goosebumps, just because it looked like something I would like. I don't think I even listened the, to it. The uh, album? The yeah. album or the song? Oh, okay. The, the whole album, Goosebumps, on iTunes. Yeah. And immediately with She Broke Your Heart, I fall in love with this album. And you must yeah. love that song too, because it shows up on fast forward later 
And yeah. I've had well, I wrote, rock that on, <laughs> wrote that one. She Broke Your Heart is my baby. I wrote it on my living room couch on an acoustic guitar in New York City. Other than that, I don't think any of the other songs are mine, right? I was going to um, ask you holiday. about that. Yeah, they're all, they're all covers. Uh, Porky Lang from um, uh, Mata Hoople uh, played uh, Easy Money. He wrote yes. that. Yes. Well, and Rick Ocasek writes Slip Away, Slip right? Away. My How does that even happen? My only song. That happened. Oh, not only did I do it, they wrote it and I did it. Rick and Ben did background vocals with me in the studio. They did? <laughs> yeah. Slip, slip, slip. So it's somewhere in there you can hear them. Uh, th yeah, th that happened. It's great because uh, Mick Jones, Foreigner, uh -huh. mm -hmm. you know, I, I introduced he and Mick, Ian McDonald and they formed it and I sang on all the backgrounds. I wondered about this. Hits. I knew you sang on it. I was saving this uh, for later. All their yeah. Hits. Yeah. Uh, he and I were good friends and he was friends with uh, uh, Rick Ocasek in Boston, really? up in Boston. No and way. he said, Ian, you know, like they got this, they got, they gave me like, I still have it somewhere in my uh, room somewhere. Uh, a, I guess it was a cassette or a cassette, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> of, um, of um four or five songs and slip away was one of them and, and i said yeah let's do it so i we tracked it and, and told them what we were doing and then they came down and sang on it yeah i have a picture somewhere of me with uh ben uh sitting at the control board in bell sound and he's got like a cigarette or a joint or something in really very cool yeah. oh man got that shit so i've had Bob Rock on here and I've had Bo Hill on here no, and Bo, Bo and I talked about she broke your heart because he plays the synths on the fast forward album correct right 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 so what yeah. was the thinking I love the fast forward album a lot too that was I think meant to be another solo album but you said this feels like a band let's change it up yeah. How did it, what's the story I, I, I definitely uh it was my by my choice it actually was was that on Island? Was that the one on Island Records? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. I've only streamed it. I wish I'd buy a hard copy if I could find it. Yeah, I'm thinking. Well, was that my first solo? Uh, second solo album, or uh, the first solo album was Ian Lloyd. The second was Goosebumps. The third was Three C W or Three W C or whatever. Third World Civilization. That's it. Yes. Boy, yeah. boy, did he miss the boat on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to take one thing from that book to have happened. <laughs> what a mess. But, uh, no joke. Yeah, and then fast forward was like 84 or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm, I don't remember the question. What was the question? <laughs> the question was, why did you repurpose it for the Fast Forward album? Oh, which is a, almost a little more, it's less power poppy, almost, it's not yeah. like hair metal, but it is sort of yeah. introducing that next phase of like synthesized hard rock. Yeah, we're talking about She Broke Your Heart? Well, or... yeah, and the Fast Forward album, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the, what was on that Fast Forward album. Boy. Uh, I got to pull it up here. Can't remember every tune. I mean, I She Broke Your Heart was my baby. Yeah. So I just, you know, I think we remixed it. Maybe yeah. we didn't re-record it or anything. We just took it and remixed, okay. uh, remastered it probably and, and threw it on there. So, okay. boy, fast forward. Oh, that's okay. I wanted to ask you about another one of my favorite solo songs of yours mm-hmm. is Never Been a Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure who wrote that, but you did. And Greg Diamond, apparently, according to what I can see. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, it was basically his. And then I came in with lyric. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. He was the producer on that, on that album. And, and we recorded it, the whole album, uh, at a studio called, I think it was Plaza Sound. But it was the studio, I only mention it because it's the studio at the top of Rockefeller Center. So downstairs is the big hall with the Rockettes and this huge Uh organ. And when you go, it's probably not there anymore. And I think I might have the wrong name, but if when it was there, we recorded in the big studio out there. If you go all the way to the back and to the left and open this door, you walk in and there's all this shit hanging from the ceiling chimes bells gongs tambourines that is the sound that uh-huh. is created downstairs when the guy plays the fucking organ really true <laughs> true true story so it must still be there whether it's a studio yeah, recording right. studio or not but that room must still be there because they wow. still have the organ unless they change computerizing or something that's crazy okay so you touched on this my understanding i believe is that mick jones is on that first solo album a lot and this was, I think, 76, so pre-Foreigner, barely. So you, is he still with Spooky Tooth? How, you two are friends, and you help him start start Foreigner? Were you ever approached to be the lead singer instead of Lou? Well, uh, no, I was never really considered that. Okay. And, and that was, you know, I never really thought about it. I was doing sure. my thing. Lou's the perfect guy, no offense to you. Yeah, I mean, and, and in yeah. the end, it was like, wow, you know, yes. I mean, I, it would have been a whole different thing. So who totally. knows? 
happen. Lou was the right call. But um, how, yeah, it's it's an interesting. I'll try to make it quick. Uh, I was managed by Bud Prager, who uh, managed um, Mountain Leslie West, and sure. mm-hmm. probably a lot of other people that I can't remember now. And um, Mick was was in Spooky Tooth, and after he left Spooky Tooth, he moved to New York. His manager was also Bud. So that's how we connected. Mm. As a matter of fact, I think I was, I'm pretty sure I was in the office having a meeting with Bud when Mick came in from the airport landing in uh, JFK with his luggage and stuff, you know, and he came up to meet with Bud and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, uh-huh. that blah, blah. So Ian McDonald and I were friends because Ian lived, he just passed, unfortunately. Uh, he lived, um, on West End Avenue, two blocks up from me. I'm up on Riverside on the West Side, and he lived two blocks up. And, you know, we knew each other. I'm not sure how we – I can't really remember how we met now. I'm sure we did something where – because, you know, Ian was the keyboard uh, – the, the Mellotronist flute sax mm-hmm. guy and all the early King Crimson albums. And, oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, some of my favorite I – mean, King Crimson, Genesis, you know, the proud yes. rock again. Your stuff. Yeah, my stuff, and because uh, I was brought up, my family, both my mother and father, were professional, successful classical artists. Really, it was like I was doomed no matter what. It was like <laughs> my whole life that's what I was going to be. Was- How so? I'm curious. My dad was a symphony conductor growing oh. up, but yeah. I had the opposite, where I was like, I, "That's not for me. I want rock and roll," and we just never. Well, the know, same so with I, me. I, 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 okay. I'm not doing okay. classical music. You know? Good point. Although good I point. Did play piano and and violin. So, yes. You know. Okay. Good point. Yes. Yeah. No, my dad. Um, oh man, I I can't even go into it so much. Okay. I mean, okay. both my mom and dad toured with Tuscanini. Uh, with Tuscanini, um, they played the uh, and my mom was a soloist, a, a vocalist, a, a lyric soprano. Yeah. And uh, so they just did everything. I mean, my mom, you know, on uh, I don't know if you remember, I can't even remember. The, Fred Waring. Fred mm. Waring was like, like one of the famous uh, TV show, music shows, like before Lawrence Welk, Lawrence you know, Welk. Uh-huh. back there in the 40s, late 40s. And uh, both my, my mom, my dad was a conductor for his orchestra on TV. Ooh, so I've wow. got pictures of her. Okay. Of performing with my dad conducting on the show, which was You've been deep into industry. this world for a long time. Oh, yeah. forget it. And uh, actually, I have to find it, but somewhere there was like a Christmas show, and this was like you know national shows mm-hmm. like Tonight Show or something like that. And um, there was a Christmas show where all the uh, people in the band and stuff brought their kids, and um, we all got gifts. And I was probably maybe three or four and i got a little tricycle and uh the show is going on and somehow i got out on the tricycle in the background going but now i this is what I'm, i don't remember this, this right. is what i'm told and it's got to be like kinescope or something but that yeah. was you know here's this little kid going on and it's like wow crazy you know? wow I'll that's wild yeah. that's great that's yeah. great um, Wow. Okay. So I can't even remember what I just said. Oh, we were talking about how you connected up Ian and Mick before. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Ian and I were friends and and I was doing that first solo album for Polydor. And so it was a no brainer. Hey guys, you know, you're my friends. Let's get together. So they basically met in that 
uh-huh. configuration doing that uh, studio thing and uh, for me. And uh, also being managed by the same guy, you know. Uh-huh. They, yeah. okay. Great, great stuff. Interesting. Classic. When yeah. he goes on and and this is kind of, <laughs> this is a small theme I noticed in your career. Mick Jones, you work with him before he's the Mick Jones of Foreigner. Jim Valance writes with you before he becomes Brian Adams, Jim Valance. Yeah, and, he, he was uh, actually working with Brian at the time, but yes. Through Sweeney Todd, probably, right? You know, uh, Brian came into the studio in, when I was working, uh, recording in Pinewood in, in Vancouver, Canada. And he said, you know, he, he was like popular in Canada, but hadn't broke out in America mm-hmm. yet. He subsequently went on tour with Foreigner, and that's what broke him. He opened. Oh, well, that makes sense. He asked me, comes up to me, Ian, got any, you know, secrets on, you know, when you go out there to sing? And I said, just uh, make sure you got a joint. <laughs> you guys can't see, but he says this as Ian <laughs> puffs a joint right here. <laughs> it's a vape, actually. I'm very tired of eventually, but yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> <Schizoid> man. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's wild. So then you, because you do straight from the heart before he does. Uh, he wrote it and recorded it, but I, I don't know what was happening. It hadn't been released. And okay. because my, you know, I had connections with Jim Balance and everybody there and Canadian connection. Uh, I released it. The record company released it first. So, okay. It went okay. to number one. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been you. Um, my version is a lot better. Trust me. Oh I mean, yeah. Well, in my opinion, when I heard his, it was like, you know, I mean, I have nothing. You know, he's a. I know him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not as good. You know. I. But I'm not a fan. So. <laughs> Bruce Fairbairn uh, plays a big part in your career too. He's no longer with us either. But nope. how did you connect up with Bruce? Because it mm. feels like he's sort of. I don't know. You two make a good yeah. pair there for a while. Yeah. Oh, no, we were good buddies. We definitely, uh, you know, once we connected, that was it. We were going to go until one of us died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we bumped. And it uh, happened. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure this is how it goes. I was, he was brought in. Uh, let me see how I can. Island Records. Chris Black, Blackwell. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I'm not sure. Well, yeah, because uh, 
that one, the first album I think was, well, anyway, Chris Blackwell got me together with Bruce Fairburn. So that was, okay. and I might be wrong on, you know, it's so long ago at this sure, point, of course. Summer, but you know, it, it was that kind of connection where I, I didn't meet him on the street or accidentally sure. or something. It was like a, it was like, I think it was uh, Chris Blackwell who got us together to meet because he had worked with him on other stuff because because uh bruce did a lot of great stuff he did the uh, aerosmith comeback mm -hmm. album he did in his career and um well and anyone who was going by through was it little mountain sound up there in vancouver brian uh, and and Loverboy and all those yeah you know. yeah i recorded at the pinewood studios but that oh, was did. that was the other one yeah they yeah. were kind of connected you know the, yeah engineers and stuff right yeah definitely that's great so then i going back to kind of what i was asking before when you see mick go on to huge success and you see jim having all the success with brian and you see bruce you know igniting the pop hair metal whatever sound of the 80s and 90s yeah. these are all friends of yours and your career is not, you're not doing a lot it, during that period what do you do and how does it feel to watch your friends well they're my friends and it was great and i was able to be a part of it like foreigner if you play cold as ice or jukebox hero and take my vocals out sounds very uh, different not quite uh as yes. impactful you know yeah. all those high, like feels like the first time yes. that was their first hit i'm all over i mean that's my yeah. background singing those choruses but um no, they're my friends, and okay. Ask me that question again, because I had to. Well, let me. So let me. Okay, so I'll ask oh, it another. I know way. what it was. I know oh, what, what it was. I was uh, doing commercials in the eighties. Oh, 80s. oh so man, I was like everywhere. Okay, I was in Pringles. I mean, national spots. Uh, once you pop, you can't stop. You know all yes. that shit. I was doing vocals on all those stupid, com lovely commercials. <laughs> okay. I'll do, this, do more. Hire me again. <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> this is fascinating to me. And this is the theme that has come up with other people over the years. Pepe Castro, John Fiore. These are all people who, who had some success as musicians, yeah. stumbled into jingles or advertising yeah. somewhere, made buckets of money. Yeah. And so it was like uh, the Alessi brothers, my understanding. Yeah. So it's like, well, let's, I won't worry about my solo career right now. Cause I'm making lots of money just singing, you know, Budweiser commercials. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. 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 Touring, you know. Yes. Yeah. So that yeah, happened to you. How did you make that transition? Boy, uh, you know, I, I can't really say, I mean, the connection was my good friend, Jonathan Elias, hmm. Jonathan Elias had a production company and ad advert company in New York city. Some, I can't remember how I got connected with him, but we became great friends. He's now out in LA and um, doing soundtracks and stuff, Okay, but he uh, is, cra it's crazy. I'm trying to think there's, I was at his studio in Manhattan and it was basically a jingle house mm -hmm. studio. You know, I mean, you could, mm -hmm. it was a studio, so you could do other things, but, and, um, John Anderson from Yes was there uh, doing um, Have You Driven a Ford Lately commercial for, <laughs> for John Elias. Yeah. So we met, obviously, at the studio, and uh, we actually 
took a taxi together up to the west side because he was going to, to see a Vivaldi concert at Lincoln Center. So anyway, we got the connection through John Elias. Yes, Union. Are you familiar with that album? It's it's oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. of course okay <laughs> it's a great I had great a question album. about this yes please tell me about well, it. Yes, this is the did, connection yes. this is the okay. connection so anyway I met John blah 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 they go out to L A I guess John lives in L A as well as other uh, Anderson uh, uh -huh. and um, they needed a background vocalist and uh, John Elias suggested me and had, we had met so uh -huh. I went out there and man I'm on fucking mic with John. Uh, Anderson, and I can do him. You sound a lot like John. I can Ron do him. Stewart, John I, I can't Anderson do him for long. Yeah, okay. I can't do him for long. I mean, like I can't uh -huh. imagine the magnitude of how he. Could, I mean, I guess it's because his range. He he speaks up here. Yes, so he does. If you speak up here. It's easy to go higher. You know, I speak <laughs> down here, so I right. gotta do things to right. get her. Higher, higher. Yeah, yes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was a great connection. And um quick story, a side story, uh two two quick ones. Uh it was at the record plant in uh, Sausalito, I believe, uh -huh. somewhere in LA, wherever the record plant in LA is. And I stayed with him in his house and we would get high in the morning at the table and talk about UFOs and shit. You know, it was like totally whacked, going in a uh, you know, convertible super uh -huh. So the studio, we're in the studio. We take a break. We're and I'll I'm going to talk really fast. We, we no, take a break and take all the time uh, you need. and uh, we're in the um, you know break room, whatever you call it. And in comes Slash from Guns uh, and Roses. Thank you. And John sees him. You know, I mean, the guy has the stupid hat. I mean, he must yeah. wear it all the time. I mean, wow, you know, takes a sauna with the hat. I guess you know, yes. but. Uh, and, and John goes over to him. So, oh, it's so nice to meet you, Flash. Oh, <laughs> he says Flash. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> all right. It's hilarious. It was hilarious. But the other thing was, uh, they my birthday is in August, and and I was uh, recording out there right around the, my birthday, and uh, so the studio guys got a birthday cake and had it in. Um, the control room when I came in with uh, candles and stuff uh -huh. and around it at the bottom was a plastic lizard, large, about this long green uh -huh. lizard, you know, and they, that, you know, so it was like, wow, thank you. You know, you know, so I took it home with me into New York and then I had to fly back to finish up recording in LA and I had it in my zip on a zip luggage carry-on uh -huh. thing and i took an early like 8 a.m flight so i'm checking through the um whatever it is you got to check through security yeah. and uh the woman going through my luggage unzips <laughs> it and louie because i called him louie of course, <laughs> uh, <David. laughs> of course louie pops up like <laughs> she starts screaming at the top of her this is like 8 a.m Screaming at the top of her lungs. Security comes with guns drawn. I swear to God, this I remember. I mean, you can't forget this. And they look at what's happening and they start laughing at her <laughs> because it's a plastic fucking thing. What the fuck are you yelling? You know, it's like, oh my God. So I was like, ooh. Yeah, that was about it. I, that is hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. So you, I, 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 you sing backup on the Yes Union album? 
Yeah. I, I not only do that, there's one song called Dangerous. Ah, uh-huh. And I am the I am singing the hook. Dangerous. Yeah, so danger. I can't sing right now, but, uh, sure, but you know, course. listen to that song. And John came over to me and said, "You know, John, you know, Ian, you're singing, you're singing the lead hook on that." <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> that is classic because, as you, you know, can tell I it's mean, me. I sound yes. like John, but you can if you hear listen to that song. I'm gonna go back and listen because I didn't. I have that album and I didn't know you were on there. Great album. I love yeah. yes, and uh, that album is a real abnormality, as you know, because it's called Union, and yet no one. Yeah was unified during the making of that album. Yeah, they were trying to get, because they were ABWH. Yeah. You know, with uh, Clive Anderson, Davis. Anderson, Bruford, Wigman, and Howe. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and the, uh, the other guy, bass player, uh, can, you know. Chris Squire. Chris had the Yes logo yes. name on Atlantic Records. So, and they were trying to, and I, I actually think there are some songs on that album that are uh, from the Atlantic faction. I'm sure. Yes, I'm not sure, uh, but uh, the ones I'm on are great. I mean, I it was that's you know, John on mic. I mean, you know, it was just well, and you two are so like similar. Died and went to heaven. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah, what I was like, thinking. Because you, I mean, you could be, you know, how like actors have like stunt doubles or body doubles that travel with them everywhere they go. You could be John Anderson's vocal double. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I Stewart's. There's too many lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I can't, you know, I mean, look, just take any song from Yes, any one, just one song. It's like a book. I mean, <laughs> obviously he wrote it. I can't remember lyrics from songs that I wrote. <laughs> and they're just like basic, you know, verse, chorus, verse, and yes. the song. Yes. And it just amazes me. Um, uh, it's hilarious. Oh, I know. You know what? I'm, I'm serious. I do, of course. And you listen to an interview with John, and his brain is out in the like third realm of real reality or whatever. You know, talking about goblins special. and yeah. yes, it's very special. I, it was amazing. Trip. I really felt like I had died and was in rock and roll. That heaven. is so great. So I'm curious then how you're. I mean, is there any part of you that has to swallow some pride or? Think differently about your own career when you go from being the focus of like this is my solo career putting out my music to singing background vocals granted with huge acts singing jingles your bank account is good but is your state of mind is your peace of mind good well i never had any issues like that really? I ever never bothered about you. It. okay good i i have been smoking cannabis for over 55 years 
-hmm. So my brain synapses are well coded. (laughs) (laughs) You found a way to medicate in a good way. If it is bothering. Yeah. Good for you. And it reduces tumors in your lungs also. There you go. Yes. So don't Um, smoke cigarettes. I won't. I I don't (laughs) smoke either actually one, but. um, Yeah. So no, I never had any, uh, you know, I just, Karen, did I ever have any issues about being a background vocalist or commercial stuff? Not really. No. Yeah. Never really uh, crossed my mind. So you just said it. Okay, no, I'm just yes. curious. I'm just going to go back and get really angry and bummed out. I'm going to get you. <laughs> so let me, okay, so I got to, we yeah. try to sensitively touch on the business side of things mm, on here. I don't do business. I know nothing about business. <laughs> really? Okay, well, yeah. so, but let me, first and foremost, I'm guessing when Louis C.K. makes Brother Louis the theme to his so- his show, and you have to redo it. Granted, you didn't write that song, but you sang on it. And that show was great and lasted a few seasons before he got canceled. Did you make some extra nice mailbox money for that? <laughs> no? No, I, I get checks for like $15.93 <laughs> from Universal for uh, that. I, I think part of it's because he had just embarrassed himself, yeah. you know? Yeah, I but, know. Uh, no, it was, it was, a tr- I mean, I got a phone call and I don't answer my phone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got a phone call and I wasn't even home actually. And there was a message left and my wife told me, oh, you know, you got a, some message from somebody who said they're from NBC or something, you know, and um, I might be, I might be confusing my, well, I, I'll just, anyway, uh, what's his face? Oh my God, I'm losing it now. Um the band leader for uh, the English guy who now left back went back to England. Um, Reggie Reggie Watts. Oh, Reggie Watts. Watts. Yeah. Okay. He was the engineer for the Brother Louie recording of this the uh, TV show. Really. So I got a call, which I didn't respond to. And then I got on my home phone and then I got a call on my phone phone. If I remember correctly, might be wrong, but saying, you know, this is Louis CK's manager and we we really need you to come to the studio downtown because they knew where I was uptown um, today. Mm. Come and sing the song. So really, I went down and met Reggie and it was like he was so happy to meet brother Louis. You know, it was great, you know. Yeah. And it was very cool. And, you know, bang, 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 it was done. And I left and went home. Then I got a call, like probably a year or two later, uh, asking me to uh, sing Brother Louie for Saturday Night Live for when he uh, was the host. That yeah. first time he did, the, he came up the stairs in a subway in Midtown Manhattan uh-huh. dressed as Lincoln. Yes, I remember. And I'm singing Lincoln, 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 <laughs> Lincoln, Lincoln, you're gonna die. <laughs> so, no, I forgot about this. Right? So he and after I, I, I did it and I'm in the studio because we're we're in the um now we're in SNL, you know, sat wherever it is in the uh-huh. Manhattan studios, which is part of the they have a recording facility there as well. And um uh, who's the guy who follows Jimmy Fallon? On late night, um, it's uh, Seth Myers. 
Seth Myers walks in and he says, man, I heard brother Louis here. Where is he? And he comes over and he wants to meet me, which was great. Exciting. Then when I was done, Lewis came over and took me into the main room where they filmed Saturday Night Live really? and said, attention, attention, please, please, everybody, I want to introduce Brother Louie, Ian Lloyd. And everybody turns around. It was like, because they knew I was there. To right. Lincoln instead of Louis. But it was like, whoa. <laughs> it was like, whoa. Detroit. Yeah, it was very, very cool. So I've never been on Saturday Night Live, but my voice has. And yes. I've been stage set that is know. great yeah That's i could great. go on and on forever i, I, was... I love the, this these stories <laughs> that you're telling are the exact reason i started this thing was because i wanted to hear from people like you you've got stories too and we don't hear them as often so you don't get you when that show was popular and on every week you don't get a little something something in the mail you know i might i might have gotten something that was something mm. while it was running i, okay. I don't remember i know you know now it's like yeah. Now, of course, I don't think it's anything anymore. Right. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask you pointedly then, Ian, how do you make, how have you made a living for like the last 25 years? Is it playing out? Because people don't buy records anymore. And I mean, I bought Goosebumps on iTunes, but you probably got a buck yeah. out of that maybe. Yeah. So uh, how do you do it? Basically, Foreigner. International okay. royalties, okay. not okay. America so much as Europe. But, you know, remember, I'm on the Yes album. I'm also on one of the Peter Frampton albums. Um, really? And I'm on, that. I go to Extreme and Stormfront by Billy that's Joe. That's right. I forgot about uh, that. Mick produced that album. That's probably why you're in there, that's right? I was there, yeah. Yes. And I did this uh, search in the last month or so, just out of curiosity, and how many number one songs that I sing on went to, yeah, went to number one. Yeah. yeah. And I, seven. Seven. Brother Louie, I go to extremes, and and then four or five, five, uh, five foreigner four. tracks. Jukebox feels like the first, you know, I'm, I, I might be, it might be six, but, you know, I was just like, that's was seven, but. Isn't that cool? I mean, my that is, is so on the number one charts. Cool. Six or that is so nine. cool. That it's is so pretty, cool. Uh, weird. I love so it. I, basically, I didn't answer your question, but yeah, I don't know. I just no, get you're good. And, you yeah. know, uh, my son, uh, I, I got to move to my new music. I was just going to do the same yeah. thing. So you sent I, me these two songs from out of nowhere. I love that. You just okay. sent them to me like a half hour before we talked, so I've only been right, able to right. listen to them once or I twice. realized I was going to play them on my computer, and I said, no, and my son it goes, was, this is better. It'll sound like shit. It will. <laughs> We're going to insert the songs right here so people can get a good feel for them. Great, yeah. Yes! We're planning on, we're going to release like two at a time. Good. Yeah, there are 12 tracks on the album, but just going to, you know, nobody buys albums, but I, I do would hope that I have some people left alive that would uh, <laughs> yes. be interested. I still collect CDs, so if you ever perform out in Denver, I'll go to your show and I'll buy your CD. Especially oh, okay. if it's all as good as these songs are. Oh, you know, no, that we got great songs. It's yes. a great album. It's the best album I've ever done. And it's me and my son. It's Lloyd Lloyd. It's that, okay, so you said it was Lloyd. I didn't know what that meant. Okay. Yeah. David Lloyd, Ian Lloyd. Wow. Lloyd Lloyd. <laughs> I got to be honest. So I, I won't say who it is, but I recently had someone on the show, on the podcast, who had a few hits in the 80s, who I really liked and hadn't been heard from for a while. 
and unfortunately has had a lot of drug problems. And we were talking about their new music and he was so excited about it. He sent me his new CD and I hate to admit it. It's almost unlistenable. It is really, really like tragically bad. And so when I listened to your new songs, it was so great to hear someone as good as you making music that is equal to your talent. Cause it's Thank hard God. for guys your age to do this. I you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, as I, as I said before, I attribute most of it to 55 years of cannabis smoking. Yeah. You Do you know, and I'll, I'm just jumping around here. Do you know that sure. I have won a global marijuana music award GMMA from, um, for, for my album title song in the land of Odapo. Which is Odapo, the odor of pot, you know, kind of. Is that what I didn't know what Odapo was? Okay, now we know. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the odor of pot. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to call, I wanted to call it Odipo, E-A-U, D-E-P-O, with the T is silent, which is part of the lyric in the song. Right. Uh, and my producer said, no one's, you know, he's a black hip hop producer, a great guy, <laughs> long gone now too. He just said, Ian, it's got to be zero. Oh, uh -huh, <laughs> no one's going to know uh -huh. what E-A-U is. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> Well, the European uh, something. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I wondered what that was. <laughs> yeah. The land of Odipo. Yeah. The, and the okay. So you saying that your that the producer was black and makes sense because there's a lot of hip hop beats on that album. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. He took my songs and uh, yeah, pumped them up with stuff. Yeah. It was, Made so I feel excited. Very happy with that album. So good. You know. Good. How come all of your stuff isn't streaming? Like I can't find uh, Planet X anywhere. In fact, really? I shouldn't admit admit this to you. Like I said, when I bought Goosebumps and I went down the Ian Lloyd rabbit hole after that, made all the connections. Mm -hmm. I downloaded illegally Planet X because oh. it was the only way I could get my hands on it. You know, I mean, uh, you don't have to tell me, but I, I mean, I first of all, I can't believe that it's not available to hear. Second of all, how do you download illegally if it's not there? No, it's uh, yeah. it's basically like a Napster, you know. Okay. Um, I, Does Napster still exist? I don't think so. I don't use Naps. I don't use anything anymore because almost everything is out there on streamers or YouTube or whatever. But yeah, back right. before all that, if you wanted to get your hands on something that was really hard to find, I would download. It was a seek. It was a site called Soul Seek, and you just type in what you're looking for, and if anyone else in the world has it, you download it from their thing that's what i did you know i i have heard of soul seek 
Napster. This is true, stupid. I got a letter of cease and desist. I was banned from Napster for downloading Roy Orbison hits by his wife. <laughs> I swear to God. I mean, <laughs> you know, back when Napster was right. the only thing. Right. The first uh, of course, we've all, we all did it. Yes. You yes. know, it's like, wow. You know, I mean, I downloaded yeah. a lot of stuff and uh-huh. I get this thing from Ben from Napster. For a... So you're downloading Roy Orbison songs from Napster it's, and his yeah. wife. Yeah, the hits that everyone knows. And his wife makes sure that you get banned from Napster for doing yeah. that. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Doesn't right? she know who she's messing with? Come on! Uh, well, it you sang on seven number one hits, Ian. Doesn't she know <laughs> I this? Know. I know. No. <laughs> hey, I didn't know that until. I That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I had to start counting. Oh, really? That one too? So, wow. Okay, yeah. we kind of skimmed over it earlier, but is there a story around Billy Joel and I go to extremes? Not really. Uh, you know, I did the album. I, I was hired by Mick to, to do it, which is why I did it. And uh, I, I, really quick, I mean, I, I remember sitting on the piano bench next to Billy and he's playing the piano for Stormfront or I Go to Extreme. And I'm singing in his ear back, you know, harmony, background ideas. So it was that was oh, kind of like, considering he's a fucking legend. You no know, it's like, whoa. Joke. I mean, you know, I just, I was doing my job and what I do. So yeah. I was like, oh my God, you know, but thinking about it now. And what was the other one? There was another one, Billy Joel. Um, oh yeah. Uh, it was, I go to extremes. Um, I'm a big Yankee fan, base- uh-huh. I'm a big baseball fan. You know, like I go crazy for five months, not yes. having baseball. Uh, but I- I've stopped going to games because, you know, just stay at home. and Sure. Relax. But I went to, uh, it was, I think it was the new Yankee stadium. It might've been not the other one. Um, and I walk into the place and they're playing. I go to extremes, Billy Joel, cranking it up in the uh, sound system out in the stadium. And then my vocals were so loud in that, you know, like, you know, if you listen under headphones, you hear a different thing, you put it on the speaker in the car, car. It was like, I'm hearing my voice going, ah. It's like, what the fuck? It was so crazy. And I was with my son. And the other thing was, oh, back when they, the Yankees had Louis Soho, the third baseman, this is probably in the 
early 90s, late 80s. My son and I are, are sitting in um, left field. Uh-huh. And uh, Louis Soho hits a triple. And Louis Soho uh-huh. hits a triple. Uh-huh. And they fucking start blasting. Louis, Louis, Louis. And my son and I, everybody's high-fiving because of the triple. My son and I are high-fiving because they're fucking playing <laughs> That's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I could go on and on forever. I, mean, I like, love stuff like that. I'm I a big baseball guy, too. Oh, yeah. I love stuff like that. Um, but, but my new album is me and my son, and it's the best thing I've ever done. It's like, you know, if, tra- if you like traveling underground, this is I, very, can't I wrote this it. right before I almost died. And Why it's all almost about what's happening. Yeah, I had burst my colon. <laughs> what? Yeah. How does I someone do it. that? <laughs> I ignored the pain because I have a high pain threshold. Uh-huh. And I performed uh, right before I ended up being taken away. Um, and people would cu- came up to me after the show. I was at the cutting room in New York City. People came up to me, came up to me and said, uh, man, that's the best we've ever heard. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> like, yeah thanks i'm also two days dying. later I, it was they my family took me to the doctor which i obviously i hate doctors i uh-huh. hate everything church everything yes. i hate i'm i'm a, you know i'm traveling through space and time as i said earlier yeah but, um and the, the doctor looked at me and said how can you even be standing here you know yeah called the hospital said get a cab the surgeon met me at the hospital front door, took me in. I had six hour sur- surgery. <laughs> it's oh, like, like, they said, how the fuck did you, you know, so I have half of whatever it is down there. Yeah. I'm having a colonoscopy on Monday. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah. You had I, one I just turned, yes. I just turned 50. <laughs> and a few years ago, they said you should have your first at 45 that used to be at 50. So I did one at 45 <laughs> and now I'm doing my second at 50. And what's interesting is one of my really good friends, is a pretty well-known proctologist and uh but i don't i won't let him do it because that just feels like a bridge too far between buddies mm-hmm. you know what i mean so his partner will do it i'll go to his office but i don't want my good buddy being the guy who does my <laughs> colonoscopy you yeah. know colonostomies are fun yeah. do you get uh, knocked out or um yeah mm-hmm. well i did last time i i yeah, it's yeah, like nine thirty Monday morning. You go in, and the and I have to fast for like eighteen hours beforehand or whatever. And then right, right, yeah. they say count back from ten or whatever, and you make it to eight. And the next thing you know, you're waking up however long later. Yeah, I vaguely remember the last one. <laughs> yeah. And then my son keeps telling me I got to do it. But but my new album, my new album. Yes, gotta, yes. Got to talk about the new album and play some of the tracks. It's um, it's so good. We'll play Dreamers too. That's the other one you sent me.
I yeah, love Dreamers it. is probably the well. We're gonna we're gonna promote them both. We're gonna like Good. try to do like multiple video things. You know, Good. like a, a animated a lyric and maybe uh-huh. some kind of a live thing with uh, David and I in it in Good. space or something. You know, I don't. Yes. Know. Yes. Yeah. That's great. I can't wait to hear it. Let me know when it comes out because I'd love to check it out. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of records coming out, I don't know if I knew until getting ready to talk to you that you were on Scotty Brothers. Now, when I think of Scotty Brothers, I think of Survivor and John (laughs) Cafferty and Robert Tepper and Rocky soundtracks. And all of that is like 83 to 89-ish. But you were back in the 70s, which I didn't even realize they were a thing. Yeah. So tell me what it's like being on the Scotty Brothers label back then. Boy, it was weird. I mean, the Scotty Brothers, I, I'm i not sure. Maybe it was just one of them, I think, worked for Atlantic Records and then went. I might be wrong on this. But I, you know, anyway, they formed Scotty's. And um, I'm trying to think of the artist that was huge back then. It was like a guy, a solo guy. Very large. Not, not a fan, not popular, but famous. Leif Garrett. Yeah, Leif Garrett, that's it. And um, they wanted me to be like Leif Garrett. Did they really? <laughs> I, I did not get along with them at all. I just didn't say much and went and did my thing because it was a Bruce Fairburn yeah. oh, thing. Oh, sure. You know, so he was involved. So, you know, okay. he knew, uh, I guess, pretty, pretty hard. I'm definitely getting old. <laughs> well, it happens. A lot of blurring. I, know. You know, I understand. Yeah. No, when I I have a real fascination with that label because I love so much of the music that they put out in the 80s that I grew up on. Right. And I've had other people like John Cafferty or Frankie Sullivan or Robert Tepper on the show right. to talk about them. And I got to admit, they all have had their own problems with Scotty Brothers as well. Bad yeah, promotion, bad business yeah. deals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really had nothing to do with it except I had that one meeting and they just wanted me to be like somebody that I said, hey, man, I am, am who I am. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. You know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to find one of them because I'd love to hear their story or read a book about it. But I apparently Are it's still alive or any. I think of one of them is. I can't find I can't I haven't been able to find them. And no one who I've talked to like you who knew them or worked with them knows where they are either. Maybe they're you, in the mafia know, um, somewhere. I'm one of the people yelling. I'm not sure what it was. I'm yelling. And what's the the first big hit? Uh, hit? hit, rock, hit. And, rock and roll on night. I want to rock and roll. Yeah, on. kiss. Yeah, yeah, kiss. Uh, they have a group yelling like, "Hey, hey!" in the yes. background. Uh, Paul Stanley and Kiss were recording next door in Bell Sound, and I was doing my thing next in the other studio. He comes in and goes in. We need. We got this group yell. Come come in and yell with us. <laughs> so I, I was what? like, you know, five people and uh, Gene and me and Paul, and we're all going, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's on Rock and I Want to Rock, which is also a number one record, which I never yes. thought about it. I made eight number one Eight records. number ones. The eight. number just keeps wow. picking. Let's just keep it. talking and it'll, more will come up. <laughs> we hit list 10? will get longer. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of which, so these, like, I didn't know about Kiss, I didn't know about some of these things. Is there are there other things out there maybe that didn't quite hit number one that you sang on that we should know about? Uh, I'll try to think about it. Probably not, but I do remember Kiss related. Uh, Neil Bogart, mm-hmm. president of uh, Buddha, and then he became Casablanca. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and you know, he was the fit kiss guy. Uh, he came up to me and, and said, Ian, would you be interested in being s- singing in a band where you dressed up like an animal? <laughs> to which I went, no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. That became kiss. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've told anybody this. So you, this, this is like a, whoa, you know, what? I do have his connection, multiple kiss connections. Oh my, connection. gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I said, Oh, these stories no. are the best. No, <laughs> you got to write a book or something, Ian. You got to get all this I stuff doing down. Memoirs. I'm typing. You- I have a Good. thing with just because I mean, I mean, I, I I've met Pat Boone. I, I've done everything. Oh my god! I mean everything. You know, oh it's like unbelievable. You know, like when we were recording about us in uh, uh-huh. England, we were in Olympic Sound. Eddie Kramer, yes, was the engineer. That's uh, right. I forgot about this. Yes, yeah. and then he's. Um, He's the reason I did uh, the Peter Frampton album thing, because he called me mm. later, years later to do it. But he was in the studio and we're sitting, listening, you know, and behind the board behind him. And there's a walkway, a door entrance, door entrance on either side. We're sitting and listening to I think it was Top of the City or something. I'm not sure. And the door opens and Mick Jagger walks in and does his Mick Jagger walk. <laughs> Ross looking at us and you know just grooving to the music and walks out the other door oh my gosh i mean really wow am i on acid <laughs> well i was but no probably yes no i uh, i did acid in college I, after college i just got high strictly pot. i realized yes. the best way to get high yeah cannabis that's great um yeah, isn't it crazy uh that is i see all this stuff i'm sure you, there are just so many Stories like that bouncing around your head. Tell me about Jim Valance. I want to know more about Jim Valance because he, you two work very closely together yeah. and he hasn't quite become launched into the stratosphere with Brian's hits just yet. Hmm. How did you connect up with him? Well, that was all through Bruce Fairburn. Fairburn. Okay. You know, he uh, turned me on to that whole uh, Canadian, Canadian, <laughs> Canadian uh-huh. uh, connection. Right. Um, but I, I really, uh, other than that, I mean, he's just, he was a, he's a weird guy. Is he really? He very, very introverted. Yes. Not a lot of conversation going on. Obviously very talented and multi-talented yes. drums, keyboards, guitars. I mean, you know, and yes. he basically, we had him demoing a lot of the tracks and then kept some of the stuff and then maybe got another drummer, you know, to do certain mm-hmm. things, but a super talented guy, but very, very introverted. It's interesting you say that because I've had I've other friends of mine or people I know have had him on their podcasts uh-huh. and he's always really? so interesting, but also like the least rock and roll seeming person I can think yeah. of. And yeah. yet he yeah. writes these great rock and roll songs. Yeah. He doesn't oh, look it. He doesn't act like he doesn't dress like it. Nothing. Yeah. You know, does he still have a beard. Yeah. He, he does. Beard. Yes. Okay. Well, it's white yeah. now and I think he's bald well, yeah, like I well. am, but <laughs> yes. 50 years ago. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Jim, no, he's a great guy. Very talented. And, but you know, like I said, just kind of, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe I'm, I mean, I, I had this, this thing with Ian McDonald, you know, King Crimson uh-huh. former, and uh, he's actually, he's passed on now and really depressed about it, but 
Uh, he plays on uh, the title track of my next album That's and really? a flute on uh, another track. And um, when he, you know, when he's there, when he's around, well, when he was around me, I would like poke him in the side. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's really a stuffy Englishman. Right. And I'm just, because of that. Right. It's okay. Ian, hey, yeah. Leave me alone. That's so funny. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, he can, um, you know, John Ford of the Straubs, the Straubs, yes. right? Uh huh. Yes. Well, John Ford is one of my close, close friends. And he's all over the album. And he played, I had him there uh, playing something in the studio when Ian was waiting for him to finish to go in. They're both British. Yeah. And uh, when John came out, I said, John, I want you to meet Ian McDonald from King Crimson, John Ford from the Straubs. You know, they're yeah. definitely a genre, similar genre, British sure. in the same period. And they shook hands and uh, went their way. And uh -huh. uh, when Ian went in to record, John went, you know, us, us, we British, we we don't really get along that well. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was, you know, you don't have to talk to them. I mean, you know, you know they're both stuffy. Yes, stuff of course, of course. <laughs> so, what's holding back? What's keeping this new? It sounds like you've been working on this album forever. What? Yeah, why forever. is it not out yet? Well, You're finishing some songs or what? Well, there actually are some songs that we want to add some stuff to. I want to try to get more people. Friends on, um, you know, we got John Ford, obviously, uh, Ian's on it as well. Uh, I'm trying to think, I have a bunch of people. I can't think of anything right now. It's just, uh, you know, the COVID thing. Yeah. yeah. Everything up. I had been sick and, you know, my son's been busy and he's basically my manager and co-producer and co-writer. Co so, you know, yeah. how family things are. Yes, <laughs> I do. You know, but, but we finally, you know, gotten to the point and we realized because of the change. I mean, people used to buy albums when we had it almost ready to go. And like eight years later, it's kind of like there are, you wow. know, they're only waiting around that long. Wow. Yeah. No. And, and uh, I don't know about other artists, but I can't move on if I've got something. I believe <laughs> that's it. There. And I just. I've it's there and it's not happening. I got. I can't. I totally. It. I totally get that too. How often yeah. do you play out? Do you perform I very often? I think we played one gig this year, and it was early in the year, like February okay. March. Yeah. Okay. I definitely would. Hopefully, well, you know, as soon as if we can get this damn two songs out, then we can play them live and have a yeah. reason to go. But uh, the thing I love doing is uh, when I do it, will be with John Ford of the Straubs. That's great. Uh, you know, maybe. Uh, him and his son play an acoustic set thing that is just so great, you know. Excellent. And uh, yes. they do a lot of Beatle covers and and a part of the union. You know, John that was the number one hit for John yeah. and Ink. And then we do that. <sighs> then he comes up with us at the end, and, and he and his son play with uh -huh. us at Louis. And you know, I, we actually the last the last gig that I played at the Cutting Room, we had um, it was great, John opened acoustically with his son and my son and then i joined in and then we played our set with my band uh -huh. and john came up oh no no i take it back uh alan merrill i love rock and roll yes who is yeah dead now too yes i think he died Definitely. of covid or around covid uh, right at the beginning yes uh anyway so he was there and did his stuff 
but not I Love Rock and Roll. And John came on and did his stuff, but not uh, the hit. I can't yeah. think of it. Yeah. Know, part, part of the union. Uh, and then we played our set and then we had both of them come back up mm. on stage with us. And we did I Love Rock and Roll and and yes. uh, a part of the union and Brother Louie. And it was just such a great, uh, you know, it's just like to have yes. those, you know, up to three million selling recording. That would be incredible. Was very f- memorable for me. Yeah. I love stuff like that. And I feel like that in some ways is where the concert business especially is needs to go is mm. incorporating, especially with legacy acts. In fact, specifically with legacy acts like you storytelling within the yeah. show, uh, because you've and got then, it. And then, uh, these co- collaborations with other people like Alan Merrill or John Ford or whoever that, um, are bringing together multiple story, multiple story threads, because as we've said, Music is like a faucet that is constantly turned on, you know, just water pouring out of it. So yep. what's unique about someone like you is the storytelling aspect. That's mm-hmm. kind of the content that you have that isn't pouring out of that spigot already. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so getting guys like you together to tell the stories in a group of people who love you all and want to hear this stuff, that's the capital you have. I feel like in a lot of ways to bring to the market these days, but anyway, I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, definitely um, I agree. I, Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're back out there, I might have to make a trip up to New York or something to see you live. Cause I've never done it. And I would love that. All right. Well, if we play, <laughs> if you play, you know, if yeah. it happens. Okay. I mean, you're definitely trying to get something together next year. And it had, you know, we, I think the, the, the release of two songs that are yeah. new, you know, for what it's worth, they would at least be motive motivational to perform yeah. them. You know, even if it's to fifty people, and you know, whatever, there are fifty yeah. people who love you. So <laughs> if we can get well, fifty people. Yeah, I think you can get fifty. I'll you come up. Fly. I'll be fifty. You gotta come down. Yeah. <laughs> come over. Bring your friends, please. Bring your friends. <laughs> a bus, yes. a little private That's... bus. You know. <laughs> yes, we'll do it. Okay. Well, anyway, like I said, Ian, I've, uh, when I got turned on to you 10 or 12 years ago, whatever it was, I went down a rabbit hole and I've been happy there ever since because I love everything you've done. And I just find so much of it fascinating and your story I thought would be fascinating. And it turns out I was right. So thank you for chatting with me. It really meant a lot to me. My pleasure. And, uh, let me know when it's going to air and uh, I will, um, I will, we'll put it out. You can share it with your fans if you want. Yes. The last pod, uh, the last Zoom podcast I did was live, and it was with drum roll, please. Kill a priest. What Wu Tang Clan? Yeah. Because I'm singing. I sing on the la- the most recent Killa Priest, and don't call him Killa. And I'm going. And why is he calling himself Killa? Now he wants to be called Priest. Well. It- you know, I thought, hey, yo, killer. No, no, don't call him killer. <laughs> I'm on the killer priest. Uh, what is it called? Ma- not mafia. Uh, mantra. Mantra. Really? Uh, I'm on two or three tracks doing the only vocals that someone's singing, you know. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. Wow. So the How voice of that? Ian Lloyd is still out there all over the place. Everywhere. It's like everywhere. This album is going to be. You, you heard the two tracks. You heard those two tracks. Yes. They're just as good as the rest of the tracks on the album. And we do a cover of Message from the Country. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
which ironically I did as a demo in my home. So I'm playing guitars and my son usually replaces my guitars because he's better than me. Uh, And this particular track I'm playing all the rhythm guitars I'm messing with. Who's playing the saxophone, by the way, on From Out of Nowhere? It's beautiful. Ian McDonald. Really? Yeah. That was him? Oh. I'm listening to that thinking there's, this has to be a professional. There's no way just some, Guy, some neighbor of Ian Lloyd's is playing the sax on here. Oh, you know, actually, I take it back. It's my neighbor. <laughs> it is. I swear to God, I, I take it back. Oh my God, I'm totally. You know, I'm obviously stoned and drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's my neighbor from downstairs. You're Dave kidding me, Morgan. Dave Morgan, and he's you know he plays in bands and they do shows and everything. Yeah, I, I just had him come upstairs and. You're lying to me right now. No. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't lie. I might be facetious and obnoxious, but I don't lie. <laughs> what if I do? I'll tell you. you okay. know, I'm, I'm lying. Yeah. Wow. It, I, I, I'm, I wish it was Ian, but I'm glad well, it, it turned was, out. It turned yeah. out it's your neighbor, Dave Morgan, playing the sax on from out of nowhere. From out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. next time you see him in the hallway, tell him I thought he did a masterful job. We walk dogs together. So good. <laughs> good. <isn't> good. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, man. All right. Thank you, Ian. All right, there you have it, Ian Lloyd. Fun stuff, right? He's quite a character. I love people like that. They're so much fun. And that voice has not changed at all. I mean, that voice is, no one quite sounds like Ian Lloyd. And it's so cool that it's still all there intact. Now, um, I mentioned in here, it came up that Fast Forward album that was produced by Bo Hill. Bo and I discussed it when he was on two years ago or whenever that was. Check that out, too. That's out there easily available on Spotify as well. That and the Goosebumps album. It's good stuff. Now, an album of his from, I think it was the 90s, called Planet X came up in this conversation. That's a really hard one to find as well. But here's a track on it. I wanted to play a little bit of it so you get a feel for it. This is Heartbreak off Planet X. Now, next week, our guest is a... We're going back to a producer. Producer, engineer, mixer... Grammy Award winning guy. It's really interesting because he starts out in the 80s dealing with like more kind of underground alternative rock acts, but eventually his career completely changes. And then in the 90s and 2000s, it's like hip hop, R&B, pop hits that you know that are humongous still to this day. That's who we're talking to next week. Not a household name, but a fascinating story. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man for everything. Um, guys, you can like our page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. I'm still barely on X or Twitter or whatever, at the Hustle Pod, And you can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. All right? Um, I think that's pretty much it for now. All right. Thanks, everybody. We love you.